Hi, welcome to episode 467 of the Fantastic Forecast, the fifth anniversary special. I'm Dave Elliott, and I've been doing this podcast for five years. And what do I have to show for all my hard work? Blisters! From all my groupies. Today, the 467th issue of the Fantastic Four, it's Fantastic Four, Volume 3, Number 38, from February 2001, Flesh and Stone, by Carlos Pacheco, with... Raphael Marin. So the issue starts in Littlefield, Kansas. Is that the next town over from Smallville, Kansas? And the farm we saw a couple of issues ago, where Reed's pal, the old man Noah, was living before he was summoned to join a crew on a spaceship. Reed, Sue, and Johnny are there, meeting with Noah's lady friend, an African-American woman named Abigail. I don't know if it's his wife or his girlfriend. I'm not going to guess maid. I don't think that. Probably wife, probably girlfriend. Sue tells the FF. She tells the FF. Not a day goes by that Noah doesn't talk about how proud he is of all you. And Sue starts to reply, The feeling's mutual. There wouldn't be a Fantastic Four if it wasn't for... But her cryptic statement is interrupted by the doorbell. Uh-oh. Sounds like there's some retconning going on. I'm never a fan of a retcon. So in some way, Noah seems tied to the origin of the Fantastic Four, despite the fact that he's never been mentioned in the previous 466 issues. So Abigail goes on to answer the door, and it's a couple of young black men in green jumpsuits. Abigail hugs one of them, a guy named Jebediah, who must be her son, maybe, and she tells Jebediah and his friend to come inside. Reed approaches Jebediah and says, Noah thinks we're ready. And Jebediah replies that Noah's exact words were, It's about GD time. And up on the Alexandria space station, on the dark side of the moon, Noah says that the FF are coming, and he's ready. He's run every test known to man, Reed, Sue, and Johnny emerge through some kind of teleportation door, and for some reason their blue costumes are lacking the four symbols. Noah shows up and welcomes them to the Alexandria, but he asks where Ben is. And next, back on Earth, we find Ben Grimm passed out on the street, near a bar on Yancey Street, and he's woken up by a bunch of egg-throwing Yancey Street gang assholes. Is that acceptable behavior? to toss eggs at people who are sleeping on the street? Because if it is, next time I'm in New York, I'm doing it. I'm totally doing it. Sounds like fun. Ben gets up and heads back into the bar where he asks for some coffee. The bartender says he's never seen Ben look so low. And Ben pulls out a letter from Alicia Masters. Suddenly, this beautiful woman with long black hair comes over and asks if she can join Ben. She looks awfully out of place in this crappy Yancey Street bar, but he agrees. Back on the, uh, Alexandria, Reed, Sue, Johnny, and Noah get into a little shuttle, and they fly off into space. And Noah shows them something pretty amazing, because out there in space, on the dark side of the moon, they've built an all-new Baxter building. Well, what? It seems like... That is the worst possible place to build a Manhattan skyscraper. That's almost as dumb as building the Starship Enterprise in a cornfield in Iowa. 
So this seems to be some kind of secret project that Reed and Noah have been working on, and Johnny and Sue seem impressed. The conversation turns over to the uh, Gideon Trust, and Reed mentions how they purchased the Pier 4 headquarters and Reed's most recent patents. He wonders what they plan to do with the stuff. Of course, the purchase of Pier 4 was a bad move. They would have been much better off purchasing Pier 1. They sell such great stuff. My entire Christmas wish list is stuff from Pier 1. For example, the Carmichael turned leg bench. The turned leg version of their popular Carmichael bench. Rustic and old world, but in that cool new way that fits in a modern home. This distressed wooden bench is the perfect kid-friendly seating mate to, to their Carmichael dining table, which is available separately. It's also a clever, durable addition to the end of a bed, or an entryway. Also, there's the Hayworth silver mirror and vanity. As glamorous as any star from Hollywood's golden era, yet as practical as they can make it. The Hayworth vanity is all about functional fashion, handcrafted, hand-painted, and, and covered with bevel-cut mirrored glass. It can serve as a dressing table or a small desk. Add the folding mirror, available separately, and then there's the lion statue with a left paw on a ball. Modeled after the Imperial Guardian Lion of China, these handcrafted felines display a classic pose and an antiqued stone appearance. They'd gladly watch by my porch or entryway. Oh, you can get also give me the Buddha fountain. I can meditate to the serene sounds of trickling water with the Buddha fountain, handcrafted with an antique silvery finish. It can be placed inside or outside, anywhere I want to install a sense of peace and timeless style. Feel free to go to pier1.com and buy me some of this shit, okay, people? I'm like, I'm like the only podcaster that never gets gifts. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? That's why I'm doing this podcast, so I can get free stuff from Pier 1. I also want the Chaz Ottoman in Indigo Meadow. It's on sale for crying out loud, only $199. Where they're playing a supporting role for their handcrafted Cha seating collection or, or complimenting other decor, the Chaz Ottoman is that one character around which my entire living room drama will unfold. Carved, hard-wooded legs, button-tuffed linen viscose upholstery and handsome hand-finished nail-head trim make Chaz a name to remember. I want that! Give it to me! It's been five years of talking about the GD Fantastic Four. I give up. From now on, I'm only talking about shit I want from Pier 1. There's the Hayworth uh, mirror jewelry armoire. I need an armoire! I need a place for my jewels. It's hand-painted and covered with hand-cut beveled mirrors. It offers five felt-lined storage drawers, as well as ring rolls and necklace hooks to keep jewelry and tiaras organized and protected. I need my tiaras organized and protected, okay? It's only $449.95. I need it. I need it bad. So what else do I need? Okay. I need to finish this podcast. Back on New York's Lower East Side, near the Brooklyn Bridge, Ben is walking home with that woman, the woman he picked up in the bar. It's a new thing for Ben, isn't it? Picking up women in bars. We won't get into that. They're walking along in the middle of the night. Okay, wait a minute. He woke up in the street in the morning, went back into the bar, met the woman. Now is night again? He was at the bar all day long? I think he's got a bigger problem than cigars. 
I think he's an alcoholic. I bet even Jimmy Fallon would say that this guy's got a drinking problem. Ben is telling this woman about his life, being in the Air Force and then going to work for Reed. And then he says, Listen to me. I must be boring the pants off you. And getting the pants off a woman is not something that Ben wants to do. She says that he's not boring her, and she goes in to kiss him, but suddenly she disappears. And up on top of a nearby lamppost, a man says, There is no one here, you misbegotten simpleton, except for the Grey Gargoyle. And Ben looks up, and sure enough, it's the Grey Gargoyle. This cat normally tangles with a Captain America or, or Thor, and Ben suggests he go find one of his usual playmates. But Grey Gargoyle replies, Alas, you are this evening's target. So he tries to touch Ben, and normally, Ben isn't afraid of a man's touch, but this dude will turn you into stone if he touches you. And in this case, Ben would be a rock monster made out of stone. So Ben runs, he, run, he turns the corner, he sees a whole bunch of civilians turned into stone. They only remain that way for a short time before they turn back. And then they run out onto the Brooklyn Bridge where people are running for their lives. Gargoyle grabs an innocent man and Ben screams at him to put the guy down. But Gargoyle touches him and turns him into stone. And meanwhile, back in space, in the Baxter Building, which is not the first time I've uttered that phrase on this podcast. This is like the third time we've seen the Baxter Building in space. Reed is showing Sue and Johnny around their new headquarters, including a column with sensors that will read the bio-signatures of their hands to activate the technology in the building. But before they can activate the building and see what it can do, they need Ben to come aboard and get his handprint too. Seems odd that they would require all four of them to be present to turn this shit on. Back on the Brooklyn Bridge, it is not clobbering time because Ben does not want to lay his mitts on Gargoyle at all. So instead, he's throwing stuff at him. Gargoyle says, Eventually... You will succumb to my touch. And if I know Ben, that's probably true. Ben runs up, runs up on the cables of the bridge, and then he grabs one and he swings down, he kicks Gargoyle in the chest. And then he starts punching him in the face, which is a bad idea, because now Gargoyle can reach up, touch Ben, and finally, Ben succumbs to his touch by getting rock hard. I mean, his entire body turns to stone. Up on the space station, the gang are wondering where Ben is and trying to find him. Which, well, go to New York and look, you idiots. You're on the friggin' moon. Sue asks Johnny if he still wants to make that movie. There's not, there's a lot of downtime between takes. And that's a very short conversation because one of the crew members tells Noah they found Ben Grimm on the Brooklyn Bridge. But suddenly, his vital signs dropped off the map. Noah says, I don't like the sound of that. Reed says, that they'll head down there and take care of it. Back with, uh, Ben Grimm, the woman from the bar shows up, and the gray gargoyle asks her, Did I pass the initiation test? Ah, so that's why gray gar gargoyle attacked Ben. It was an initiation ritual. But for what? Just then, Reed, Sue, and Johnny are teleported down to the bridge and ready to kick some ass. And elsewhere in New York, at the headquarters of the Gideon Trust, Pace Pot Pete has arrived, and they're showing him around, and he's impressed. They head into a room where two guys are being tortured. They're strapped up naked and held up in the air, while it appears they're being, giving, be, being given electric shocks. I don't know who one of these naked dudes is, but the other one is one of my favorite crazy Spider-Man villains, The Spot. 
the guy covered in big black spots, dimensional doorways all over his body. Who would want to torture the spot? The spot is awesome. So, something seems to be up with Pastepot Pete. He says he's tired of being Pastepot Pete. He tried being the Trapster. Did he call himself the Trapster? I don't remember that. And now, he says the third time's a charm. It seems like the Gideon board is going to change our beloved Pastepot Pete into something else. No, they can't do that. I really do not like this Gideon board. They're torturing the spot. They're going to radically change Pastepot Pete. What's next? They're going to shave Machismo's chest? These people must be stopped. Maybe that'll happen next issue. Because this issue is over. And that's it for today. The end of a not very special fifth anniversary show. Here's to another five years. Yeah, right. If you have any questions questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com or you can buy me a Christmas present at pier1.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Look,